This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, with Jimmy Olsen and Doris Archenko saved from certain death at the hands of their mysterious assailants, Superman renews his search for Perry White and the taxi driver last seen with the missing editor. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know, in sports, they usually say that if a fellow's a good starter, he's a fast finisher, too. And believe me, gang, that applies to you. Why, if you give your day a breezy start with an A-double-one breakfast, then you're pretty likely to be breezing ahead at the end of the day. So get hep to Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. There's a breakfast dish that practically coaxes you to eat. Looks terrific in the first place, all golden and, and light and crisp. And Pep tastes just as good as it looks. What flavor? Keen, light, sunshine flavor. Delicious, come-on flavor. A toasted, full wheat flavor that your appetite can really latch on to. Yes, sir, Kellogg's Pep sure is on the beam when it comes to tickling your taste. Every tender spoonful has the old stuff that keeps you coming right back for more until almost before you know it, you've polished your bowl clean as a whistle. And that's the right idea, too. Nobody wants to waste one flake of Kellogg's Pep, especially nowadays when the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. So make it a habit to eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now the adventures of Superman. John Grayson, publisher of the Daily Planet, who was known to be an enthusiastic backer of the World Peace Federation, suddenly appointed a personal representative named Homer Smith, who ordered editor Perry White to attack the Peace Federation and the planet. White indignantly refused, and that afternoon, he mysteriously disappeared. Cub reporter Jim Olson, who saw the car in which White had been carried away, was captured by gunmen and about to be shot when Superman rescued him. Frightened, gunmen revealed that they had been hired by a man named Joe Barton, who lived at the Miller Hotel. And as we continue now, Superman, accompanied by Jimmy, has arrived at the dark, dingy hotel. The nearby church clock strikes 3 a.m. as they stand in the dimly lit corridor at the door of Barton's room. Listen. Do we knock on the door, Superman? No use, Jim. We're too late. Oh, well, what do you mean? Get ready for a shock. Come on, the door's unlocked. <gasps> Leaps. Look, on the floor. Yes. Is that Joe Barton? I don't know. I mean, I don't know his name. 
But it's the driver of the phony taxi cab, the one Mr. White disappeared in yesterday. Are you sure? Oh, I'm positive. See, is he... Yes, he's dead. He was stabbed through the heart. Golly. Our friends apparently decided to play it safe. What do you mean? I told you they weren't taking any chances. Whoever is behind all this is clever and ruthless. He or they won't stop at anything, not even murder. Whoever it is must have a big stake in sabotaging the World Peace Federation. What? The World Peace Federation? Exactly. But but how does that figure in, in all that's happened tonight? I'll tell you. Mr. White disappeared right after he refused to attack the Federation in the Daily Planet, right? Yes, The I... attack on you and now Barton's death all point to the same source, which I'm convinced is an individual or organization against world peace. Oh, I see what you mean. But she was how going to find Mr. White now. We figured on this, this fellow to tell us where he is. Now, this is a tough break. But we'll find Mr. White another way, and before we're through, we'll track down the people who are willing to commit murder in order to sabotage the World Peace Federation. Come on. As Superman and Jimmy Olsen leave the shabby Miller Hotel, a quite different scene is taking place in a vastly different setting. Some 40 miles from Metropolis on a lushly green island off the coast sprawls a huge mansion of gray stone, looking as if it had been hewn out of the very rocket rests upon to overlook the sullen sea. At the very top of the house, in an unbreakable glass-walled turret, which revolves at the touch of a lever, is a circular stone from which the view spreads uninterruptedly over the sea, the star-studded sky, and the island estate. In it sit two men. One, neatly dressed, wearing eyeglasses and looking not unlike an accountant, is Homer Smith, whom we have met before. The other man is of an indeterminate middle age, sharp of face and eye, deeply tanned. His thin legs are encased in beautifully cut riding breeches and boots, and his muscular torso is covered with a heavy maroon silk shirt open at the throat. Only his bloodless lips and long, claw-like hands reveal his savage nature. This man is Rufus Pelly, reputed to be one of the richest men in the world. This man, Joe Barton. You took care of him, Smith? Uh, yes, I did, Mr. Pelly, personally. Just to direct him. Good. With him out of the way, Perry White's abduction can possibly be traced to you. You can go ahead with your work. Yes, sir. Now, about Olsen. He got away, you know. No. That's impossible. He couldn't. Nevertheless, he did. I got the report on the teletype a half hour ago. You were a fool to let Barton go after him, Smith. First White, then Olsen. Didn't you realize you'd have every police officer in Metropolis down on your head? But, uh, but, uh, but Olsen saw Barton drive away with Mr. White. I, I thought... Uh, you should have put Barton out of the way at once. Then you could forget Olsen. It's smart not to commit any more murders than necessary. Yeah. It's a joke coming from you. Don't get insolent, Smith. I, I, I'm sorry, sir. I, I, I didn't... <laughs> what a spineless pup you are. Why don't you stand up to me? Of course I'm a murderer. As the greatest producer of arms and munitions in the world, I'm a wholesale murderer. I give millions of stupid men the weapons and shells with which to destroy each other in war. And they pay me well for it. Very well. <laughs> You're a strange man, Mr. Pelly. I'm a truthful man when I'm in the mood, but we're wasting time. You've got to get back to Metropolis tonight. Now, here, I've written a series of editorials. Take them with you. I want one published on page one of the Daily Planet every day, beginning today, and in big black type. Understand? Yeah, yes, sir. World Peace Federation, a menace to the United States. Fought by foreign statesmen to let America into disarming. This is pretty strong stuff, sir. I want them to be strong. The World Peace Federation is the greatest danger my business has ever had to face. If the nations of the world get together in mutual trust and understanding and iron out their difficulties over a conference table instead of in war, I'm out of business. Yes, I realize that. But these editorials, if you don't mind my saying so, sir, 
a great uh, exaggeration. <laughs> you mean lies, don't you? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Of course they're lies. Whopping big lies. The Daily Planet is one of the most respected papers in the country. If the planet says the World Peace Federation is bad medicine and says it often and strongly enough, a great many people will believe it. And if we can fool enough people, we'll get rid of the blasted federation. Well, that's true. Of course it's true. Now, get started. I want the first editorial in today's planet without fail. Uh, yes, sir. Good night, Smith. I'll be waiting to read the Daily Planet today. Come into my office, will you? I've got to talk to you privately. Okay, but if you want to know what I found out about Mr. White, the answer is not a solitary thing. I know. I just spoke to Inspector Henderson. What are we going to do, Clark? Mr. Smith is Henderson going to... gave him a clean bill of health. Gave home a clean bill. Smith. He did. Henderson investigated him, and it seems he's been engaged in some sort of importing business until recently when he tied up with John Grayson. Oh? Took him abroad a great deal. The firm's out of business now, and the record is rather vague, but... Henderson hasn't been able to find a thing against Mr. Homer Smith. Well, I don't know if Mr. Homer Smith had anything to do with the chief's disappearance, but I'm I I'm sure didn't... he had everything to do with it, and I'll pin it on him eventually. Right now. Right now, you can pin this on him, Clark. Hmm? What? Look at this galley proof of today's noon edition. What's he done now? Well, read that box editorial on page one. World Peace Federation, a menace to the United States. Oh, that's not all. Just keep reading. Clever trap by foreign diplomats to lull U.S. into disarming while they secretly prepare for war. Great Scott, we can't print this rock lie, Lois. Try to stop Mr. Smith from printing it. What we... I just tried, and he told me I could resign any time I please. What? Oh, Clark, this is the most awful day I've ever lived through. The chief missing, and now this. We can't print this filthy lie, Lois. Will you stop saying we can't print it? We're going to print it, or Mr. Smith is in two hours when we go to press. And there's apparently nothing that you, nor I, nor anyone else can do to stop him. We'll see about that. Have you got an idea, name it? I'll do anything. There's nothing you can do. The only two persons who can stop this are Perry White and John J. Grayson. Will you stop dreaming? The chief, heaven only knows where he is. I can't even think about him anymore without just going to pieces. I know, And but... you talked to Mr. Grayson yourself, didn't you? Yes. Where did that get you? Except to told that whatever Homer Smith says goes. Yeah, that's right. Grayson is in great fear of Smith. And it's obvious that Smith has something on him. You said that before, too. But so what? Just this. I'm going to find Grayson wherever he is and make him tell me the truth. He's got to now. Not only Mr. White's life is at stake, but the life of the World Peace Federation, the peace of all nations. So now... So now stop dreaming. You've just named a job that would be a handful even for Superman. Exactly. What? I mean, uh, uh, that's your phone, Lois. Yes, I know. Hello? Lois Lane speaking. Who? Oh, yes, yes, just a minute, please. For you, Clark. Oh, thanks. Yes? Who? Oh, yes. What's that? Great Scott, when? Where? What is it, Clark? Just a moment, please. Yes, I hear you. Yes. Yes. I see. Yes, yes, I... I see. Thank you. Clark! What is it? You're so pale. What's happened? Clark! Clark, answer me! Anxiously, Lois Lane shakes Clark Kent's arm, begging him to tell her what has happened. But Kent sits as if turned to stone, his eyes staring into space. What shocking news has he heard? Shocked by what he has learned from a phone call just received in Lois Lane's office of the Daily Planet, Clark Kent replaces the phone and sits as if turned to stone, while Lois shakes his arm, demanding to know what has happened. Don't just sit there, Clark. For heaven's sake, tell me what... One chance in a million. What? The odds are now a million to one against Mr. White and the World Peace Federation. What are you talking about? Who was that phone call from? It was from... Scott, what am I sitting here for? What split seconds count against one chance in a million? I'm delaying. Goodbye, Lois. Wait a minute, Clark. Clark, come back here. Clark, where are you going? 
Rousing suddenly, Clark can't leap from his chair and rushes headlong from Lois Wayne's office. What has happened? Who was that phone call from? And what did Kent learn that made him say the odds against Perry White and the World Peace Federation are now a million to one? Don't miss Monday's thrilling episode when Superman pits all his great powers in a battle against tremendous odds. Be sure to tune in same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate video box. What's with kids today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Hello. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, as Rufus Pelly plans to make use of the Daily Planet in an effort to wreck the World Peace Federation, Mark Kent has received a mysterious telephone call that has sent him rocketing into the skies as the Man of Steel. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, have you heard about the breakfast dish that's breezing ahead these summer days? It's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Yes, sir, Pep sure is a whiz of a treat. So light and, and cool and inviting that, well, you can hardly wait to start eating. Right off that tender Christmas gives you the old come on. And the crunchiness of those whole wheat flakes starts sending. And when you do pitch in, mm-mm, mm, what a flavor. A catchy, exciting flavor. A golden toasted flavor. A top-notch, so good flavor that makes your appetite do nip-ups. Believe me, gang, Kellogg's Pep sure is on the beam. It rates super-duper every time when it comes to teasing your taste. Why, Pep's double everything you say for delicious, and you just wouldn't think of stopping until you've polished your bowl of Pep clean as a whistle, which is always a smart idea, because Pep is good for you. Sure, just after mom. She'll tell you that. And nowadays, it's particularly smart because the cereal grains have been picked out to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls overseas. So, gang, remember, eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. 
Homer Smith, newly appointed representative of John Grayson, publisher of the Daily Planet, ordered Editor Perry White to attack the World Peace Federation in the paper, White refused. And that day, he mysteriously disappeared. While Clark Kent and his friends searched frantically for him, the gray-haired editor was in the hands of Rufus Kelly, a fabulously wealthy munitions magnate who was selfishly conspiring to break up the World Peace Federation because, since its aim was to prevent wars, it threatened his business. Convinced that publisher Grayson held the key to the mystery, Kent was about to seek him out when he received a startling phone call. Pale with shock, he hung up and solemnly announced to Lois Lane, This is a blow. Now the odds against finding Mr. White and saving the World Peace Federation are a million to one. Adding only that split seconds counted more than ever now, Kent rushed from Lois's office without pausing to explain, and as Superman, streaked to a small boatyard about 200 miles north of Metropolis. As we continue now, once more in his guise of Clark Kent, he is speaking to a worried boatman in a little bait and tackle shack on the harbor's edge, as outside a violent storm is raging. Listen. You say Mr. Grayson went out on the water in this storm? Yes, sir. Done all I could to talk him out of it, it did, but he wouldn't listen, stubborn fool. Oh. Wind was blowing up already, and the barometer dropping fast when he put out. Oh, listen. He said, that barometer, Mr. Grayson, I said to him, look how she's dropping. Way it looks and feels to me, we're in for something mighty near a hurricane, I says. But he wouldn't listen to me. Practically is a hurricane. I had all I could do to get through it myself. But tell me, you did he say... what? I have... Uh, I, I, I said I hope Mr. Grayson can get through it. And now, now tell nope, me... No, nope. Ain't got a chance in that little boat of his. And I already called the Coast Guard, but they can't put out in this blow. Well, look, That's I... That's why I put that call through to Mr. Grayson's wife in Metropolis. I think she ought to know. Yes, yes, Mrs. Grayson called me. But listen, please, tell me, did Mr. Grayson say which way he was going? Any place in particular, perhaps some harbor nearby? Uh, what difference did that make, young fella? Well, plenty. I can't search the whole ocean. You what, young fella? I... Oh, never mind. Just answer my question, please. Did he say where he was going? You want to know what he said? Well, I'm doing all I can to find out. If you know, please tell me every second count. Well, I'll tell you all right. Just before he puts out, I says to him, Mr. Grayson, you listen to me. You're a good sailor, but I know these waters and these storms even better than you. Oh, now, look, if I... If you take that little boat of yours out in the ocean today, there's a mighty strong chance you won't be bringing a hook. And you know what he says to me? Oh, good heavens, Sam, you can only tell well, me... I'm what... telling you. He looks out over the harbor to where the wind is already boiling the water white over the rip. And he says, uh, like to himself, only I can hear him, he says, I don't care if I don't get back. Wait, Scott, which way did he... Sam. Which way? Oh, uh, due east and a uh, point or two south. Straight out to sea, past the long rip. Due east and a point or two south. Yes, sir. Keeps running in my head. Oh, he said. Uh, hey, where are you going, young fellow? I'll be seeing you. Wait, you don't want to stop next door. Wow. feel like a hurricane. That's not going to stop. Superman. No around. I can get out of these clothes back in the shack here. So, John Grayson doesn't care if he gets back or not. Eh? Well, I know why. But I've got to bring him back. There we are. All set. Now to try to find Grayson. Off! No way! Leaping up from the storm-swept beach, Superman streaks out over the wind-lashed sea into the very teeth of the howling hurricane. Farther out to see the gale is stronger. Fierce winds, sweeping at almost a hundred miles an hour, swirl and lash at the man of steel, buffeting even his powerful body, almost blinding him with teeming rain which stings like needles, so that he has to slow his rocket-like speed and, gasping for breath, clear his eyes so that he can see the heaving, churning waters below. Onward he 
fight, and onward, first zigzagging through the path of the wild gale, then swinging and sweeping wide-ranging circles over the waves like some great storm-defying eagle, searching, searching, as the howling wind unleashes the full force of its fury. As Superman is fighting one of his greatest battles with the elements, Lois Lane sits in her office in the Daily Planet, hundreds of miles away. Her face is hidden in her arms on the desk. She is sobbing. Jimmy Olsen. Gosh, you're crying. I'm crying? No, I'm not, Jimmy. You are, too. But, gee, don't cry. I know how you feel, but... Well, Inspector Henderson or somebody might find Mr. White yet, and... Sure. Of course they will, Jim. I should feel like balling, too, sometimes, and... Well, I wish they'd hurry up and find him, because... Well, he yelled a lot and popped off all the time, but he didn't really mean it. He was really a swell guy. No, Jim. He'll be right back here running the Daily Planet and calling us names and not meaning it, and everything will be just the same as it used to be. Only without Mr. Homer Smith, I... Homer Smith! Good heavens, I forgot. You forgot about that no good pasty face. No, 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 the time, the time. I've been so upset I didn't even look at my watch. What time is it? Uh, four minutes to eleven. Why? Why? We go to press at eleven, and one hour later at noon, the planet will be on the street with that vicious page one attack against the World Peace Federation. Oh, jeepers, I forgot that, too. I was thinking about Mr. White. Now, listen, I... we can't let that filthy, lying editorial be published, Jim. The planet's a big paper. It's respected. Well, many readers will believe that editorial because it's in the planet. They'll be wrongly influenced against the Peace Federation and against unity among nations. Why, if the Federation falls apart... I know. We'll have another war. And the next war with atomic weapons will be just too bad. Exactly. We've just got to stop that editorial. Are you kidding? How are we going to stop it? I don't know, Without but... Mr. White here, Homer Smith is running things. And he says that editorial goes in right spang in the middle of page one, so nobody can miss oh, it. Oh, dear. We've got to do something. We must Yeah, have. but what? I even tried to see Mr. Grayson myself this morning. Oh, I know Mr. Ken and Mr. White talked to him, but I'm on the board of directors of the Junior Committee for the World Peace Federation. Did you Federation. see Clark there? Where? At the group Mr. Grayson's. No, I didn't get in. The butler said Mr. Grayson was out of town. Oh, dear, that means that Clark didn't see him either. I thought when he got that phone call and rushed away that he was going to see Grayson and, and somehow get him to stop Mr. Smith, but... What's that? What? Oh, that's the... Oh, that's the insurance company clock, and it's striking 11. Your watch must be slow, Jim. Oh, yeah, The prices will be starting now, starting to print Smith's lying editorial. And the papers will be on the street within one hour. Oh, Jim, what are we going to do? I guess we're licked, Miss Lane. There's nothing we can do now. Helpless Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen look at each other. Defeat on their faces. One hour left. One hour, 60 minutes which to stop the munitions magnate's lies from influencing people against the World Peace Federation. What will happen? As the giant presses in the Daily Planet building begin turning out the paper with its violent attack against world peace through unity among nations, Superman still battles the hurricane over the raging Atlantic Ocean, searching for a little cabin cruiser bearing John Grayson, the one man in the world who can stop the attack on the Peace Federation and lead Superman to the rescue of Perry White. Blasting gales have taken their toll from even the mighty man of steel. He is breathing heavily now, fighting for breath, as he shields his eyes from the wind-driven rain with his cape, fighting the growing weariness in his battered arms and legs. Oh, will this hurricane never blow out? Even I can't go on much longer. I have to rest. Oh, what's the use? Grayson can't be alive in this. Oh, no, no, he must be. He's got to be. Only this scale would let up a moment. I can't keep my eyes clear. Wait a minute, what's that down there? Looks like... No. Just a piece of... No, wait. 
It's a little cabin cruiser. Oh, what's left of it? Yes, and a man is lashed to the wheel, holding the boat into the wind. Down to the boat. Down! Now, let's see. Yes, it's Grayson. I can hardly hear his heart. But he's alive. Half alive, anyhow. Right like break these ropes pulling to the wheel. There. Now, up with him. Back through that storm to the mainland. And pray hard he lives. Up! Up! And away! Leaping from the fast-sinking cabin cruiser with the limp hat drowned John Grayson in his arms, Superman turns toward the distant mainland, calling on his flagging muscles for their final ounce of speed and strength to get him and his burden through safely. Will Superman get Grayson to the mainland in time to save the publisher's life? And if so, can Grayson, as Superman hopes, lead him to Perry White and to the mysterious evil men who are selfishly conspiring to wreck the World Peace Federation so that they may grow richer from war? Speed is essential, because right now the Daily Planet President are printing the first lying attack of the breeding of war. What will happen? Much happens in tomorrow's thrilling episode, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyright feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P, 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 Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Attempts to stop the vicious attack on the World Peace Federation from appearing in the Daily Planet seem doomed, even as Superman fights desperately to save the life of its publisher, John Grayson. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, this week's pet dish of the week sure is hitting a lot of home runs for a lot of appetites. Makes breakfast a big league affair. It's a pep double play, right in tune with the times and with your taste. Now, here's the idea. You pour half your regular serving of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, in the bottom of your bowl. Then uh, add a juicy layer of fresh blackberries, chilled in sugar. Finish off with more Pep, add cool milk, and pitch into your Pep double play. What a team. That double layer of Pep peps up the berries like anything. Sure, sets the pace with that catchy, so good flavor that gives your appetite the old come on. Because Pep is crisp and tender and light. Why, Kellogg's Pep always tastes so terrific, you don't waste any time finishing off every crisp spoonful in your bowl, which is particularly important these days when the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls all over the world. So, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, keep this in mind. Eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Working undercover, a munition 
Redskins magnate named Rufus Pelly is conspiring to discredit the World Peace Federation because its aim is to prevent wars. Secretly, he arranged for a mysterious individual named Homer Smith to appear at the Metropolis Daily Planet as the personal representative of John Grayson, publisher of the paper, and through him ordered editor Perry White to launch a vicious campaign against the Peace Federation. White refused, and that day he disappeared. Baffled by the sudden alarming turn of events, and convinced that publisher Grayson held the key to the mystery, Clark Kent, after an unsuccessful attempt to see him, learned from Mrs. Grayson that he had set out to sea in a little cabin cruiser as a hurricane was approaching. As Superman, Kent plucked the half-drowned publisher from the fury of a storm-tossed sea and carried him to the nearest village. Then, resuming his guise of Clark Kent, he brought him to Dr. Agnew, the village physician, and helped apply artificial respiration. As we continue now at Grayson's bedside, the publisher has not yet responded to treatment. Listen. Something you can do to bring him around, Doctor? I've done all I can, Mr. Kent. I can't do any more without the patient's cooperation. What do you mean? The physician can only do so much. In order for his efforts to be successful, the patient must have a strong will to recover. But I don't believe Mr. Grayson wants to get well. Oh, now look, Doctor, As a matter he's... of fact, I'm certain of it. Do you know any reason why Mr. Grayson shouldn't want to get well? Yes, I think I do, Doctor. He's been living in great fear recently. Really? In fear of what? Of a certain man, and perhaps of others. You see, his fear made him... Well, it made him betray his conscience, his friends, and his country. Oh, Maybe that made him so ashamed that he went out into that hurricane this morning, hoping he wouldn't come back. Very likely. Well, that explains his lack of will. I'm afraid there's nothing more any man can do for him, Mr. Kent. Maybe there is. What do you mean? Maybe I can give John Grayson the will to get well. You? Yes. Look, Doctor, can he hear me? He can if he'll make the effort. But he's got to. There's more than his life at stake here, much more, and time is running out fast. Just one thing. Yes? You must give me your word that whatever you hear me say must be kept in strict confidence, Doctor. Why, of course, Mr. Kent. You can rely on me. Thank you. Here goes, then. Mr. Grayson, listen to me. Perry White has disappeared, and the Daily Planet is beginning a campaign against the World Peace Federation. Do you hear me, Mr. Grayson? Perry White has disappeared, and your own newspaper is sabotaging the World Peace Federation. You think he hears me, Doctor? His pulse rate is up slightly, Mr. Kent. It is? I think you're beginning to penetrate. Oh, good. Listen to me, Mr. Grayson. You've got to help us find Perry White. And you must stop... Urgently, Clark Kent keeps talking, trying desperately to rouse the half-conscious newspaper publisher and restore in him the will to live. Meanwhile, in Lois Lane's office at the Daily Planet, the girl reporter and Jimmy Olsen are nervously pacing the floor. What time is it now, Jim? Uh, 11.30. In half an hour, the planet will be on the streets with that vicious attack against the Peace Federation. What'll we do? We can't do anything, Miss Lane. Oh, if only Mr. Kent were here. A lot of help he is always when he's needed most. He's not even around. I'm sure he's trying to do something. Jim. Maybe... Gosh, maybe... Maybe what? I think I've got an idea. You have? Yes, it may not work, but, well, it's worth a try. Come on with me. Where? Down to the press room. I want to see Boris Archenko. Because the Daily Planet has a reputation for being honest, thousands of people will believe this dirty, lying, page-one editorial against the World Peace Federation. Sure, I notice, Miss Lane. And if the United States doesn't support the Federation, there'll be another war, sure as you're born. Ah, I notice too, Jim. Mr. Ken, tell me, can be peace only if all countries be friends and trust each other? That's yeah. right. But what can Boris do? Well, you, you're the foreman down here, aren't you? Sure, I am foreman. And, uh... 
You can do anything you want with the, uh, the presses and, and everything else, can't you? What do you mean? Hey, you mean for Boris... Gosh, McLean, you don't... I mean we've got to stop this vicious lying attack on the Peace Federation somehow, anyhow. Hey, look, Boris understand, Miss Lane. Maybe he can do... You will, Boris? I will try. Better you go upstairs quick now. Every couple minutes, Mr. Smith, he stick his nose in. Okay. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Come on, Jim. Oh, there goes the insurance company clock, Miss Lane. Twelve o'clock noon. I know, Jim. Oh, dear. Well, what's the matter now? Come here to the window. See? The trucks are leaving with the noon edition. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that means Boris couldn't stop the presses or whatever he was going to do. In a few minutes, a million copies of that terrible editorial will be on the stand. Quiet, Jim. Robert's fine. Oh, go away, Vinnie. Whatever it is, we don't want any. I ain't selling nothing. I'm just bringing a copy of the paper. That's what I mean. Take it away. And get fired? Nothing's doing. I got orders to put a copy of every edition on every reporter's desk, and that's what I'm doing. Here's your copy, too, Jim. Okay, okay. Thanks, Vinnie. You're welcome, Miss Lane. Gee, Wallachers, the roof's going to blow off around here pretty soon. Wow. What do you mean? Take a look at page one. Boy, ain't I bad. I ain't worth nothing. What's he talking about? Why, he's wacky. He's got a hole in the head. Just the same. Jim, look. Huh? What? Smith Editorial. Oh, I don't want to see the sleeping lizards. It's all inked out. Jim, Boris must have done something to the rollers to ink out the editorial on the whole edition. Hot dog, good old Boris. We stopped Mr. Smith after all. You mean Boris did? Oh, Jim, this is wonderful. Boris, you're wonderful. You're just about the most wonderful man I... You mean I'm dead duck, Miss Lane. Huh? What do you mean? Mr. Smith come to the room just now. He said, Boris, you are rat. You ink out editorial on purpose, no? Uh-oh. And oh. I say, sure. Boris, see two world war. You see family, friends, all killed. Not want to see more wars. Only way not have war is have World Peace Federation. Oh, so, what did he say to that? He say, we finish Peace Federation. No one done can stop us. Then he say, mad like anything. You are fired from me, Boris. I got new foreman. You be out here in five minutes, or new foreman, he shoots you for trespass. Oh, no. You? The, the impress room is now new foreman. Five, six other top fellows. All of them got guns. Guns? Da, da, Mr. Smith say. You leave quick, Morris. What? He say to other pressmen, editorials must go in next edition. Anybody who try to do something funny like Morris, these fellas shoot him like dirty dog. How do you like that? Huh? Good heavens. And the next edition goes to press in two hours. And it'll have Smith's editorial on page one. We're licked again, Miss Lane. And this time, for good. <laughs> Dismayed, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Boris Archenko shake their heads, seeing no possible way to stop the crafty Homer Smith from sabotaging the World Peace Federation. What will happen now? In a small coastal village 100 miles from Metropolis, in the home of Dr. Agnew, Clark Kent has been trying desperately to rouse the half-conscious John Grayson, publisher of the Daily Planet. Again and again, Kent has reminded him of his great responsibilities. As we rejoin them now, a shudder runs through the publisher's body. His eyes opened a little then, and he moved. Yes, his pulse is getting much stronger. Coming around fine now, thanks to you, Mr. Kent. Good. Keep talking to him. Right. Don't let him lapse back into a coma. Oh, you better won't. It's far too much at stake. Listen to me, John Grayson. You've got to help us find Perry White. Do you hear me, Grayson? Do you hear me? Uh, uh, He's trying to speak. He's conscious now. Good. Answer me, Mr. Grayson. Do you want the responsibility for the lives of millions of men, women, and children who die in the next war? Do you? No. 
Well, then talk. Where is Perry White? Come on, come on, snap out of this. Quickly, tell me. Where is Perry White? Think, Mr. Grayson, think. Where is Perry White? I'm afraid you're crowding the men too hard, too fast, Mr. Kent. I'm sorry, but the soul of time, Doctor. We've got to find... Nevertheless, it's better getting the information you want a little later than not getting it at all, is it? Yes, I suppose you're right. I am, believe me. For best results, I suggest you take it easy. All right, Doctor, let's try it again. Look, Mr. Grayson, please listen carefully and try to understand how important... Worried about what may be happening to his friend and editor, and anxious to solve the mystery of John Grayson's peculiar behavior before irrevocable damage is done to the cause of world peace. Clark Kent represses his impatience, continues his efforts to make the weakened publisher talk. What will happen? Tomorrow's episode is tense and exciting, gang, so don't miss a minute of it. Remember to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Come on, Pep. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, the valiant attempt of Boris Archenko to halt the attack on the World Peace Federation has resulted only in a momentary victory as Clark Kent pleads with the planet's publisher to reveal the whereabouts of editor Perry White. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, if you want to taste a really smooth dish, just breeze up to a bowl of Kellogg's Pep tomorrow morning. Is it light and golden? Is it cool and crisp? Is it terrific? Why, Pep looks good enough to eat. And believe me, gang, there's good eating ahead when Pep, with cool milk and sugar, heads the breakfast menu. Every single flake is crisp and tender as a breeze. You dip your spoon in, and it comes up rippling with the light sunshine flavor Pep is famous for. So strictly delicious, it's really fun to eat. And say, speaking of more fun, you just take a look at your next package of pep. You're in for a surprise. I mean a surprise prize. Because, listen, you may find an exciting colored cardboard model of a light plane, easy and fun to assemble. There are seven model planes you can collect. Or you may find one of a great new series of 24 full-color bird pictures with a description on the reverse side to help you identify each of these birds when you see it. Or if you don't find a bird picture or a model plane, your pet prize might be a bright-colored comic button with a famous character straight out of the funnies, one of the 18 swell buttons to wear on your beanie cap or jacket. Why, all three kinds of prizes are super, so get busy collecting them. Ask Mom to get a package of Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal, right quick from the grocers. Now, the adventures of Superman. 
A gigantic undercover plot against the World Peace Federation by Rufus Pelly, fabulously wealthy munitions magnate, has resulted in the disappearance of Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. A secret henchman of Pelly's named Homer Smith is now in control of the great newspaper and is about to launch a vicious campaign against the Peace Federation. Certain that John Grayson, publisher of the planet, held the key to the mystery, Superman traced him out to sea during a hurricane, rescued him from his sinking boat, and carried him to the home of a doctor in a small village on the coast. As we continue now, once more in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, he is questioning the newspaper publisher in the offices of Dr. Agnew, who has been called away by a patient. Listen. You've got to tell me, Mr. Grayson, where is Perry White? I don't know, Kent. I swear. Does Homer Smith know? I... I don't know. Look... You didn't want to make Smith your personal representative on the Daily Planet, did you? Well, I... He forced himself on you, didn't he? Yes. Why? I can't tell you. Why are you terrified of Smith? What's he got on you? Please, can't stop it. I can't tell you. I can't tell you anything. You've got to tell me. That's the only way I can find Perry White and stop Smith's campaign to sabotage the World Peace Federation. Now, talk, man, talk. Can't you know what you're asking? I'm asking you to save the life of Perry White, a fine man and a useful American. I'd do anything to help Perry White. I'm asking you to save the lives of millions of men, women, and children who die in the next atomic war. Unless the World Peace Federation is on the job to prevent future wars. You don't understand, Ken. I you understand. can't understand. I understand. You're thinking of your own selfish interests. You're willing to sacrifice Perry White and the peace of the whole world. Stop it, Ken. I can't stand it anymore. You're repeating the words my own conscience has been saying to me. All right, I'm going to keep on repeating them. Oh, you no. Don't... Please, I can't stand it anymore. I'll tell you what I know. Good. I'll tell you everything. If only it isn't too late. Well, maybe it isn't. But talk fast. Well, you see, Captain, during the war... My old college roommate came to see me. He just come back from Europe, he said, where he'd set up a relief organization for refugees driven out by the Germans. Yes? He'd come back to raise funds, and he counted on me for a substantial contribution. I didn't let him down. I wouldn't expect you to, Mr. Grayson. Thanks. A little later, he wrote me from England. He did such frightful pictures of the poor refugees that I not only contributed more money, but I voluntarily tackled my friends for funds, which I sent on to my old roommate. We had quite a bit of correspondence. Then the war was over. But a few months ago, yes, I, I read that Bronson, that was my old friend's name, was being tried in England for treason. In England? Yes. Seems that at some time after leaving college, he became a British citizen. And now he was being tried for treason, accused of spying for the Nazis. Oh, I remember the case now. He was convicted, wasn't he? Convicted and hanged. Yes. Then, a week or two afterwards, Homer Smith came to see me. Oh, I think I'm beginning to get the drift of this. I'll wait till you hear Smith had most of the letters I'd written to Bronson. Photostatic copies of the checks I'd sent his relief organization. The organization was phony, I suppose, with money going to the Germans. That's right. But besides the letters and checks I'd sent Bronson, Smith had a lot of other letters written on my letterhead, but for which I was not responsible. Forgeries? Exactly. Excellent forgeries, by the way. I see. But what effect could they possibly... Those letters, presumably written by me, implicated me as a confederate of Bronson's. They made me appear a Nazi sympathizer who raised money for the German war machine. Uh Uh-oh, blackmail. Yes, Smith said he would turn all of his evidence over to the FBI and to the opposition newspapers unless I appointed him as my personal representative on the Daily Planet with full authority to dictate its editorial policy. Which meant to switch the planet from its strong support of the World Peace Federation and just knife it in the back. Yes, although I didn't know that until later. Heaven knows I didn't want to play ball with Smith, but that forged evidence together with my legitimate letters and checks made a perfect frame-up that would have convicted me. You can see I didn't have a leg to stand on. But, Mr. Grayson, can't you see oh, how... Oh, I realize now I shouldn't have done it. I was being selfish, but... It came so suddenly... Well, never mind that now. We've got to work fast. It would have fined Perry White and stopped Smith and his crowd from cutting the Peace Federation's throat. Try to remember. 
Did Smith ever mention any of the men behind him? No, but he admitted there were people behind him. Powerful men who intend to ruin the Federation. And who stop at nothing. Blackmail, abduction, even murder in order to do it. Yes. Well, we'll see about that. Look, Mr. Grayson. Are you willing to cooperate with me from here on in? I'll do anything I can to atone for what I did, Kent. Anything. Good. Here. Here's a fountain pen. I want you to write what I dictate. Swiftly, Kent dictates a short note which John Grayson writes and signs. Then, leaving the newspaper publisher in the village doctor's house with careful instructions, he steps outside, resumes his true identity of Superman, and streaks back to Metropolis. A few moments later, once more in the guise and garb of Clark Kent, he enters Lois Lane's office in the Daily Planet. Have you been? Did you find out anything about the chief? No, not yet, Lois. Oh, I'm... dear. Clark, the most terrible thing happened. What? We, or, or rather Boris Archenko, managed to stop the first edition from coming out with Homer Smith's editorial against the World Peace Federation. Good for Boris. Good nothing. It only delayed the inevitable. Mr. Smith fired poor Boris. Uh-oh. And our three o'clock edition, which goes to press in exactly five minutes, will carry the editorial. Oh, no, it won't. I tell you, it will. And so will our late edition. And Smith has a new and even worse editorial for tomorrow. And did over the day after. Take and... easy now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Boris. Those rotten lying editorials will not appear in the Daily Planet if my plan works. What plan? I'll explain later. Right now, I've got to see Smith. Where is he? Well, how do you like that? He's taken over the chief's office. You knew that before. Now stop acting as if you can see through doors and walls like Superman or somebody. It's going to be a pleasure to boot him out of that office. When and if? When and if what? Clark, I wish you'd tell me. Later, Lois, later. Just sit tight and keep your fingers crossed. The next few hours will tell the story. Right now, I've got to powwow with Mr. Homer Smith. Mr. Smith? It's a signed order from John Grayson, publisher of the Daily Planet, stopping all further printing of the paper until further notice. Oh, uh, nonsense. Ridiculous. Grayson doesn't dare do that. He doesn't dare? I... I mean, he wouldn't do it. This letter is a forgery. I believe you're pretty familiar with Mr. Grayson's signature. I don't care what Mr. you believe. Mr. Darrow, our cashier, is also familiar with it. Shall I call in Darrow to verify it? No. This is a forgery, I tell you, and that's all there is to it. Oh, no, it isn't. And it's for you, Kent, I haven't liked your attitude in the beginning. You're fired. Easy, Mr. Smith. You get out of here. Sorry, but Mr. Grayson delegated me to deliver this letter to you and to see that no further edition of the planet is printed today. And that's exactly oh, what yes? I... yes? Now, look, Kent. You're asking for trouble. Take my advice. Clean out your desk and leave the building as fast as you can. Thanks for the advice. But I'm not having any. I'm warning you. Thanks again. For nothing. I intend to see that no further edition of the planet is published today. All right. You've had your say, and I'll have mine. It's exactly one minute before two o'clock. In one minute, our presses will begin turning out the first evening edition. And not you nor anyone else can stop them. That's what you think. I know. And I know something else which you don't, Mr. Kent. Yes? What's that? I'm going down to the press room now. You care to come along and you'll find out. Good. But I strongly advise you not to come. I'll take my chances. Let's go. Very well. Your funeral, Kent. With a floating smile playing on his thin lips, Homer Smith leaves Perry White's office, closely followed by Clark Kent. What will happen in the press room? Clark Kent and Homer Smith have just arrived in the Daily Planet press room, where the great printing machines, tended by overalled pressmen, have begun rolling out the huge first evening edition. As Smith enters a step of Kent, he raises a hand. At once, several hard-faced men step away from the walls and surround Kent. Each of them holds a submachine gun in his hands. A sneer on his face, Smith says, These men are working for me, Kent. 
He'll do exactly as I say. Meaning? I have just fired you. Since you are no longer employed by us, you are trespassing on these premises. You take one more step into the press room or even raise your voice to the men at the machines, my men will shoot you. You understand, boys? Yeah, Well, gents, what have we got to say now? Do you still think you can stop me from printing the next edition of the Daily Planet? Hawk Kent looks at the ring of armed, hard-faced men around him. Then the faces of the planet pressmen who have looked up from their machines. If Kent ignores Smith's gunman, he will reveal his true identity of Superman. If he doesn't, Smith's campaign against peace continues. What can Kent do to prevent Homer Smith from printing his vicious attack on the World Peace Federation and still not reveal his double identity? And what is the rest of Kent's plan to find Perry White and the ruthless men behind Homer Smith? Tomorrow's episode tells the story, gang, so don't miss it. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Death. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Homer Smith seems to have the upper hand at the Daily Planet, as Clark Kent finds himself unable to act as Superman without revealing the carefully guarded secret of his double identity. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, if you were going in for collecting, which would you rather collect? Model airplanes, pictures of birds, or comic buttons to pin on your jacket or beanie cap? 
Well, from now on, you can collect all three kinds of these swell prizes. Sure, right in your next package of Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal, you'll find either a colored cardboard model of a famous fighting plane, one of seven in the Pep Air Fleet, or you'll find one of 24 beautiful color pictures of birds, so you can identify these birds anywhere. Or you'll find one of a grand series of 18 colored comic buttons with characters straight out of the funnies. There's one or the other of these three keen prizes in every package of Pep. Just as if Pep's like Christmas and cool come-on flavor weren't a prize all to themselves. Why, Pep's so strictly terrific tasting that a bowl of those crunchy whole wheat flakes makes breakfast a regular fun feast. You get that catchy Pep flavor and right off, your spoon just naturally dips down on your dish for more. Yes, sir, Pep with cool milk and sugar is just about the keenest breakfast treat ever. So today, ask Mom to get you a package of Pep the very next time she's at the grocer's. Now the adventures of Superman. As you know, Homer Smith, secret agent for a powerful munitions magnate who was conspiring to destroy the World Peace Federation, obtained control of the Daily Planet by blackmailing John Grayson, publisher of the great newspaper. Then, when editor Perry White defied Smith, he mysteriously disappeared. Smith was about to launch a vicious campaign against the Peace Federation in the pages of the planet when Clark Kent, who had finally persuaded John Grayson to confide in him, arrived with a letter from the publisher ordering Smith to suspend publication of the paper until further notice. Smith refused and dared Kent to try to enforce the order. As they entered the press room, several hard-faced men armed with submachine guns surrounded Kent. Smith said, I've fired you from the planet, Kent. So now you're trespassing here. Take one more step and my boys will shoot you down. And the law will uphold me. As we continue now, Kent, surrounded by Homer Smith's gunmen, and with the eyes of the planet pressmen upon him, realizes that he is trapped. If he defies the guns which will surely blaze at him, he will reveal his identity as Superman. His mind races desperately as the huge planet presses clatter, turning out hundreds of thousands of papers which carry the message of the greedy munitions maker against the cause of world peace. Well, Kent, do you still think you can stop me from publishing the Daily Planet? Looks as if you've got me, Smith. I'm glad you're smart enough to see it. Make yourself comfortable. First run will be over in an hour. You mean you're going to keep me here, a prisoner? I'm going to keep you here to prevent any monkey shine, such as occurred before. Press run is over. You can go. But look here. Sit down. And don't try anything funny. If you want to stay healthy. Pretending to be resigned to his fate, Kent sits down on the concrete floor, his back against the massive clattering press. Then, unnoticed by Smith and his gunman, he tenses his powerful muscles, leans back slowly. There is a heavy scraping sound unnoticed in the noisy press room. Kent hunches his back again, feels the great five-ton press machine slide several inches from its anchorage. The moving of the giant press snaps a power line leading from the central generator, short-circuiting it. Instantly, as the power fails, the great room is plunged into darkness, and the press and line-attack machines cut it to a stop. Hey, the lights are out! Hello, Kent! Me? Of course not. Smith? Turn the lights on! Turn them on, I say! Donovan! Where's Donovan? Prepare Superman job. Up over their heads. Up! Bringing over the heads of Homer Smith and his milling guards, Superman, still in his guise of Clark Kent, lands alongside the number two press. In the darkness, he almost grazes the puzzled workman there as he grasps the giant machine and swings it six inches out of position. Then he turns and drags a huge line of type machine a foot from its anchorage, moves to the next press, and the next, and the next. There we are. These presses won't work until I move back into line, and since each one weighs several tons, that'll take all day and all night. Uh-oh. Donovan's hooking up emergency lighting from the casting Back to my little playmates. Hey, quit pushing! Quit holding up those lights, Donovan. Ah, 
this way. Hey, where are you? Ah, there you are. Well, mother of mercy. I never see nothing like this in our born days. What is it? What's the matter, Dunham? Why don't you get the presses going again? Look for yourself, man. This is each one weighing 500 ways and out. All of them moved half a foot or more out of line. Tell me now, how do you think has that happened? What's the difference? Get them going again. We've got a paper to get out. We won't get out no paper today, Mr. Smith. We must. It can't be done. Simply the same miracle that moved these presses out of line moves them back again. But the paper must be printed, I tell you. And I tell you it can't be, not today. And tomorrow will be too late. What do you mean, Kent? Try to figure it out. Toodaloo, Mr. Smith. Wait. Are you going? Oh, I'm going. Bye-bye. As practically anyone will tell you, I'm really much too delicate to help you move those huge machines. I'll be seeing you. So long. Leaving the infuriated Homer Smith, Kent steps from the darkened confusion of the press room into an alley. There, swiftly resuming his true identity of Superman, he streaks 200 miles north to the doctor's house in the little village where he had left John Grayson, publisher of the planet. Hello, Mr. Grayson. Why, why it's Superman. That's right. I'm, uh, well, pinch-hitting for Clark Kent at the moment, you might say. I'm glad you're here. I didn't get a chance to thank you for saving my life today. No time for that now. We've got to move fast if we're to find Perry White and the blackmailers and murderers who are trying to wreck the World Peace Federation. I suggest we have Smith arrested. Then the police can find plenty of evidence against him and whoever's behind him. Maybe. But so far, they haven't been able to pin a thing on him. Neither have I. If we arouse Smith's suspicions, they'll all get away. And that, unless I miss my guess, will mean the end of Perry White. You think Perry's still alive? Yes, I do. Only stupid men would do away with an important person like Mr. White unless they had to. And these men, whoever they are, are anything but stupid. I hope you're right. But if we can't arrest Smith, how are we going to find the rascals behind him? I've got a plan. Smith is worried by your letters suspending publication of the Daily Planet. He may be a little suspicious, too. At any rate, he's sure to contact you. Yes? I want you to insist on a personal interview with him, preferably at your house. At my house? Yes. Why? Well, I'll tell you later. Right now, well, if got... he's suspicious, as you say, he may refuse. I don't think he will. Tell Smith you're not well and that you don't want to discuss the matter over the phone. We'll have another story cooked up for him when he gets there. The important thing is to get him to your house. I'll take it from there. What do you mean? Well, I'll have to explain that later, too. All right, now we've got to get back to Metropolis. I uh, arranged for Smith to be busy in the press room for a little while, but he'll be calling you any minute. You've got to be at home when he calls. But we're several hours away from Metropolis. No, no, no Mr. Grayson. Just a few seconds. What? You're going by Superman Express. Oh, you mean... Come on, Mr. Grayson. Everything depends on getting Smith to your house. So up with you like that. Out through that window. So, now. Up and away! Leaping through the window with John Grayson in his arms, Superman streaks away toward Metropolis. What is his plan? Will it work? Late that afternoon, as twilight falls over the magnificent island estate of Rufus Pelly, the munitions magnet angrily paces his circular glass-walled turret study atop his great rock mansion overlooking the sea. In a chair, looking like an anxious accountant, Homer Smith watches Pelly pause in his panther-like pacing to replenish his coffee cup from the ever-present silver thermos bottle on a table. He drains the cup at a gulp, then lashes out at his companion. And I went, Mr. Pelly. I... I counted on one million copies of the Daily Planet carrying our attack on the World Peace Federation today. But you let me down. It wasn't my fault. Didn't I tell you a hundred smaller papers all over the country, subscribers to the Planet's news service, would reprint our editorial from the Planet? That means millions of people would read the attack on the Peace Federation. Yes, I know that, sir, but... But then... you failed! You miserable fool! Don't you realize that the Peace Federation must be discredited? Wrecked? If it succeeds in bringing nations together over a conference table in friendship, there won't be any wars. And without wars, the munitions industries are worthless. I understand, Mr. Pelly. If you just let me explain... Explain I... what? How somebody made a fool of you 
and move the planet presses out of position. So you couldn't print today's paper. I can't understand how that happened. Those presses weigh several tons apiece. It would take a gang of men several hours to move them out of line. And I had my own guards in the press room with guns. Somebody obviously tricked your stupid guards. Or bribed them. Probably that reporter, Clark Kent. I don't believe it. It's impossible. Rubbish! You slipped up there, Smith. And you slipped up with John Grayson. Else how would he dare write you a letter to stop publishing the planet until further notice? I don't know, sir. You don't know, you stupid idiot. You mean you haven't talked to him yet? Uh, please, Mr. Pelly, one moment. Of course I talked to well, him. Well, but... what did he say? He said he couldn't explain over the telephone. He wants me to call on him this evening. This evening? Yes, he said he wasn't well, but when I tried to phone him early this, this morning, I was told he wasn't at home. Sounds a little fishy. That fellow, Kent, sir, he seems very uh, mild, but uh, I believe he's quite clever. Well, he may suspect you had something to do with Perry White's disappearance. He persuaded Grayson to try to trap you. Yes, sir, that, uh, that occurred to me. I'm sure Kent is working with the police, too. They searched my room while I was out. Nothing there? Of course not. Uh, if Kent is really clever, you figure you're acting for someone else. He and the police might even hope that you'll come here after you leave Grayson and they can trail you. No, you must not go to Grayson's house tonight, Smith. Then what do we do? Unless we scare him into line again, we can't print the planet tomorrow. We'll take care of Grayson and print the planet tomorrow and every other day until we succeed in finishing the World Peace Federation. But how? I know how. <laughs> So Kent and the police are laying a little trap for me, eh? Well, I'll teach them something about traps. And I'll teach Grayson, too. <laughs> While his claw-like hands caress his coffee cup, Rufus Pelly, the man who profits from the murders of war, chuckles grimly. His keen mind has seen through Clark Kent's trap. And now he plans a trap of his own. Since Kent has made it clear that everything depends on luring Homer Smith to John Grayson's house. Now, what will happen? What is the munitions magnate's counterplot? Don't miss tomorrow's thrilling episode, gang, as Clark Kent and the unseen Rufus Pelly engage in a desperate duel of wits. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, Sunshine Cereal. Behold my Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh? It's the Loop Great Subscription Box, yeah, full of exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. C-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Rufus Pelly, the unscrupulous munitions manufacturer who seeks to wreck the World Peace Federation, plans a counterattack against the Daily Planet star reporter, Clark Kent. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, you want to pass on a hint to your mom? Well, if she finds it a tough job to get folks out for breakfast in the morning... Tell her how everybody comes a-running when Kellogg's Pep heads the menu. Yes, sir, Pep with cool milk and sugar sure does give your appetite the old come on. Looks terrific in the first place, all light and cool and crisp. And does it taste terrific? Every tender whole wheat flake is brim full of keen sunshine flavor. A bang-up delicious flavor that teases your taste like anything. And say, here's another big reason why you want Pep as your regular breakfast dish. Just think of the knockout prices Pep gives you. For instance, your next Pep package may have one of 18 bright-colored comic buttons with pictures of your favorite funnies characters to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. Or you may find a colored cardboard model of a fighting plane, easy as a breeze to assemble. You can collect all seven model planes in Pep's great air fleet. Or your prize may be a full-color bird picture. There are 24 in all with a full description on the reverse side so you can identify these birds wherever you see them. Now, you can't buy any of these thrilling prizes anywhere, but you'll find one or the other in every package of Pep. So today, ask Mom for Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, a man named Homer Smith, who was the secret agent for an unscrupulous munitions magnate, obtained control of the Daily Planet by blackmailing John Grayson, the publisher of the paper. When editor Perry White blocked Smith's plan to attack the World Peace Federation in the planet, the gray-haired editor mysteriously disappeared. Convinced that Smith was only a stooge for greedy men who were attempting to sabotage the Peace Federation and who were responsible for Perry White's disappearance, Clark Kent persuaded Grayson to cooperate with him. That evening, Kent and Inspector Henderson joined Grayson in the library of his home, where Kent explained his plan. Now, when Homer Smith phones again, you insist that he come here to see you, Mr. Grayson. Tell him the story we arranged, and I'm sure he'll go directly to the people he's working for. And we follow him, eh, Kent? Right, Inspector. We follow him to the man behind this dirty plot. But Kent is unaware that Rufus Pelly, the cruel and cunning man who makes millions by supplying the munitions of war, has anticipated his trap and laid plans of his own with Homer Smith. As we continue now in John Grayson's library, Inspector Henderson is growing impatient as the grandfather clock strikes seven. Ah, this looks like a washout, Kent. I don't think Smith is going to call. I'm sure he will, Inspector. Well, I spoke to him this afternoon and said I wanted to see him. He said he'd call back. Yeah, then why hasn't he? It's seven o'clock. Well, patience, Inspector. Patience. Oh, patience, my eye. This is what happens when amateurs try to play detective. Well, now, look. If I... Smith did have anything to do with Perry White's disappearance, certainly. The did. chances are, or shenanigans tipped him off that you suspect him. Now, this time, he's probably flown the coop. No, no, no. Smith isn't a petty crook who scares easily and runs away. He knows his tracks are well covered, and he's working for people who are playing for big sticks, the wrecking of the World Peace Federation. Do you think men who don't hesitate at, at, at blackmail, abduction, and, and even murder scare easily? Well, I've seen plenty of big-time criminals who didn't hesitate at anything until they felt the hot breath of the law on their necks, and they turned yellow and ran for their lives. 
Well, that, that may be true, but unless I'm very wrong, Inspector, this is a different breed of criminal from any you've ever encountered. We're going after criminals who want mass murder. War. Yeah? Who says so? I do. Look at the lengths they've gone to in order to sabotage the Peace Federation, the only organization that can prevent war. Why, they, they've blackmailed Mr. Grayson here, publisher of one of the greatest papers in the country, abducted its editor, murdered a taxi driver... Okay, go- okay, don't go into all that again. Well, uh, I think Kent's right, Inspector. Well, maybe. But that's all the more reason you two shouldn't have monkeyed with Smith without police help. You, Grayson, should have come to me the moment Smith went to work on you. Yes, Inspector, I suppose so, but... Well, frankly, I was scared. That evidence Smith manufactured put me on trial as a traitor. So well framed that I'd probably been convicted. That would kill my wife. I see. And I don't you worry, Mr. Grayson. I've got a hunch we're going to clear up the whole mess tonight. Uh oh. Yeah. Maybe that's Smith now. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what you'd say to him now? Yes, I know. I'm to get him out here. Right. And hold the phone a little away from your ear so Kent and I can hear. All right. Hello? Yes, is this? Homer Smith. It's him, I guess. Oh, yes, Mr. Smith. As I told you this afternoon, I have something very important to discuss with you. If you could possibly come out here this evening... I know. I called to tell you I'm sorry, but I'm busy this evening. But this is very important. Look, Grayson. You appointed me your personal representative. With full authority to govern the policy of the Daily Planet, and that's that. It's too late to change your mind now. So I'm disregarding that letter you sent with Kent today. Oh, but this is not... Oh, look here, Smith. I'm still the publisher of the planet. I can fire you at any time, you know. Don't try to bluff me, Grayson. I don't bluff easily. Goodbye. Wait. Smith, wait. Oh. Oh. So he was going to fall into your trap, eh, Kent? He was going to come out here, listen to a cock bull story, then lead us straight to his gang in Perry White, huh? This looks bad, Kent. I don't understand it. Well, it's as plain as the nose on your face. Smith thinks Mr. Grayson is too scared of a trial for treason to stand in his way. But if Grayson was still that scared, he wouldn't have sent Smith that letter today, ordering him to suspend publication of the planet until further notice. Well, he figures that was strictly up love. Which it was. How could he think that when Grayson deliberately defied him? And when he didn't knuckle under to him on the phone just now? No, no, this, this stuff mad up, Inspector. It just doesn't. Smith should be out here like a shot. Or at least tell Grayson to come to his place and then try to scare him into submission again. No, no, no. Something's very wrong here. Yes, it does seem strange. Then, uh, what do you suggest we do? We've got to think this out. Smith has something up his sleeve. I'm sure of it. Uh oh. I'll answer it this time. No, no, no. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Inspector. It might be Smith again. Let Mr. Grayson answer. Well, all right. Go ahead, Mr. Grayson. Hello? Is Mr. Clark Kent there, please? Uh, Mr. Kent? Why, yes, just a minute. Uh, it's for you, Kent. Me? Must be Jim Holton or Lois. They're the only ones who know where I am. Thanks, Mr. Grayson. Hello? Mr. Kent? Yes, who is this? This is Dr. Arnold at the Flower Ridge Hospital. Oh, yes, Dr. Arnold. What is it? We have a Miss Lois Lane here. Miss Lane? What happened? What is it, Kent? She was in an accident. An accident? Great Scott. Lane in an accident? Uh Uh-oh. Yes, we found your name in her wallet and telephoned the Daily Planet. A young man named James Olson told us where to reach you. Well, is she hurt seriously, Doctor? Well, I'd rather not discuss her condition over the telephone, Mr. Kent. I'd suggest that you get down here right away. I'll be there at once. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, what, what about Miss Lane? Lois was in an accident. She's at the Flower Ridge Hospital. I've got to go there at once. Oh, that's too bad. I'll drive you over, Kent. No, no, you'd better stay here, Inspector. Smith, Mr. Call- Grayson will be here if Smith calls again, which I doubt. And the hospital is on the way back to headquarters. Come on. 
Uh, Miss Lois Lane was brought into your hospital this evening. What room is she in, please? Uh, Miss Lane? Yes, hurry, please, doctor. There's no Miss Lane brought in here today. What? She was. I just had a phone call from Dr. Arnold. He said Miss Lane had been in an accident. She must have been taken to another hospital. eh? Oh, no, Dr. Arnold said the Flower Ridge... This is the Flower Ridge Hospital, and I'm Dr. Gibbs, the admitting physician. But I assure you, gentlemen, we have no Miss Lane in this hospital. Are you sure? Well, yes, I'm certain. What's more, there's... No Dr. Arnold connected with this hospital. Startled, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson stare at the admitting physician and then at each other. What does this mean? At the Flower Ridge Hospital, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson have just been told that Lois Lane is not a patient there, despite a phone call Kent had received. Moving away from the admitting physician's desk, Henderson says... This is strange, Kent. It certainly is, Inspector. I can't understand... What's the matter? I just thought of something. Hmm? Look, Inspector, you get back to John Grayson's house as quickly as you can. I'll meet you there. Grayson's house? What for? I've got a hunch there's trouble. I'll verify it in a moment. Then I'll meet you at Grayson's. Yes, but when you... For heaven's sake, don't stop to ask questions. Now, get out there as soon as you can. Rushing from the hospital, Clark Kent steps behind a dark hedge, strips off his business suit, and stands revealed in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Then, up, up, and away! up from the hospital ground, Superman streaks through the evening skies, suddenly checks his flight above Lois Lane's apartment house, his keen eyes searching below. That's Lois in her apartment, speaking on the telephone. I thought so. Away to John Grayson's house. Yes? Oh, Mr. Kent. Where's Mr. Grayson's he was taken away, sir. Taken away? By whom? By two police officers. Police officers? Yes, sir. They showed me their badges when I answered the doorbell. Yes. I, I let them in, and they told Mr. Grayson he was under arrest. Arrest? Mr. Grayson asked why and demanded to see their warrant. Yes. But they produced their revolvers instead and insisted that he accompany them in their car. Was it a police car? Why, I, I suppose those are... Uh, good heavens. I just remembered, Mr. Kent. What? Our police cars are painted blue and cream. This car was maroon. I was afraid of this. Suddenly frightened, John Grayson's butler puts a shaking hand against the door for support. But Clark Kent stands rigidly while thoughts race through his mind. That phony report of Lois's accident. It was to get Henderson and me out of the way. Smith, he's behind this. Now what do I do? Where do I look? Knows now that he's stymied by Homer Smith and Rufus Pelly, evil men who had plunged the world into another bloody war to line their own pockets. Now that they fooled Kent and captured John Grayson, while Kent sought to trap them... The lives of two men are at stake. Can Superman pick up their tail in time? Monday's episode provides the answer to many questions, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Publisher John Grayson has again fallen victim to the ugly schemes of Rufus Pelley, the warmonger, who would stop at nothing to crush the hope of world peace. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, do you know why opening a package of Kellogg's Pet is like going on a treasure hunt? Why, it's because there's always an exciting prize inside each pet package, and you never can tell what your next prize will be. For instance, it might be one of Pep's 18 slick comic buttons, bright colored buttons, each picturing one of your favorite comic strip characters. Or your next Pep prize might be a model of a famous fighting plane, one of seven thrilling plane models in the series, all made of colored cardboard, easy and fun to assemble. Or you might find a beautiful full-color bird picture from a series of 24, each with a description on the reverse side so you can name and know any of these birds when you see them. And any one of these three swell kinds of prizes is only a part of the treasure you get in Kellogg's Pet. Think of the good, keen taste of those crisp flakes. Flakes that are light as a breeze and crammed with sunshine flavor. I mean, Pep's delicious. A prize in itself. Every tempting spoonful coaxes you on because it tastes so terrific. Yes, sir, a bowl of Pep with cool milk and sugar is just about the swellest summer dish I know for breakfast. So get going on the treasure hunt that starts with every pet package. Today, ask Mom for Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Now, the adventures of Superman. Because the aim of the World Peace Federation is to prevent wars, Rufus Pelly, a greedy munitions manufacturer who profits from war, schemed to wreck the organization by poisoning public opinion against it. To accomplish this, he ordered Homer Smith, his secret agent, to blackmail John Grayson, publisher of the Daily Planet. So, obtained control of the great paper. Then, when editor Perry White tried to block Smith from attacking the Peace Federation in the planet, he mysteriously disappeared. Clark Kent finally persuaded the frightened Grayson to help him lay a trap for Smith, hoping the man would lead him to Perry White. But Smith, suspicious, consulted Pelly, who sent a counter trap. And that evening, Kent and Police Inspector Henderson were lured away from Grayson's house by a false report of an accident to Lois Lane. When Kent rushed back to the publisher's house, the butler told him that Grayson had been taken away by two men claiming to be police officers. As we continue now at Grayson's door, Kent demands... Did they take Mr. Grayson away in a police car? Why, yes, they... Good heavens. I just remembered, Mr. Kent. What? Our police cars are painted blue and cream. Yes? This car was maroon. Uh-oh. What make car was it? Did you notice? No, no, sir. I, I didn't. I was so upset, you see. Well, I did was... you notice whether it was a sedan or a coupe? Well, it was a sedan. I remember that. Maroon sedan, eh? All right, now think carefully, Phillips. Which way did the car turn when it left the driveway? To the left, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. I stood outside the door here looking after. When it reached the foot of the lane below our grounds, it turned left into River Drive. Good for you. Now, get this. I want you to phone police headquarters at once. Yes, sir. Tell them what happened. Describe the car and tell them I suggest they put out an alarm for it at once. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Okay, hurry now. Go into the house and call headquarters at once. Yes, sir. Now to get out of these clothes. Uh-oh, here comes Henderson's car. I better see him as Superman, I guess. Back in these bushes and out of these street clothes. Henderson and I will have to work fast. And if I'm right, we'll break this case tonight or never. Here we are. All set. I'm just in time. Here's Henderson. Inspector! Oh, who's that, Kent? Great Johannesophat! Superman! That's right. Listen, Inspector. Hey, I'm... what are you doing here? What happened? Well, Mr. Grayson was taken away in a car. Two men. What? While you and I... Uh, while... I mean, while you and Clark Kent were at the Flower Ridge Hospital. 
My hunch says they were Homer Smith's men. Why, sure. That phony call about Miss Lane was to get Kent and me away from the house so they could grab Grayson. Yes, and force him to let them use the Daily Planet to sabotage the World Peace Federation. Now, wait a minute. How did you know about all this? I've been in closer touch with this case than you know, Inspector. And I'm convinced this whole rotten business is a plot against the Peace Federation. So I'm doing everything I can to make the Federation succeed. Oh, well, go on. You say Grayson was taken away? In a maroon sedan. They turned left on River Drive. I'm going after You want to come along? You bet I do. Oh, just wait till I radio headquarters and get an alarm after that car. I've already taken care of that. Come on, up under my arm. You mean I'm going to fly with you? Right, and without a parachute. You want to back out? Are you kidding? I'm ready whenever you are. Okay, here we go then. Up, up, and away! Talk about your rocket planes. When you travel, you you really go places, Superman. Faster than a patrol car, eh, Inspector? That's a joke, son. Anything, Maroon Sedan? No, not yet. Do you, uh, do you see it yet? No. Then why are you slowing? That's the Metropolis Bridge down there. Oh, what? Well, the bridge is at least 30 minutes from Mr. Grayson's house by fast car. And there are police officers on it. I don't think our friends would stay with the Maroon Sedan that long. Why not? They know that as soon as you and Kent got to the hospital and learned you'd been tricked, you'd go back to Grayson's house, find out what happened, and put out an alarm for them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They probably had another car waiting for them someplace. They ditched the maroon sedan and go on the other car. Right. They've already swapped cars. They didn't do it on River Drive. Well, how do you know? Because I examined every car we passed and didn't see Mr. Grayson. Oh, then where'd they go from here? Well, there are only three highways intersecting River Drive between Grayson's house and the bridge. Only three? That's right. Well, how do you expect... You forget I can move pretty fast. We'll sweep over those highways for 15 or 20 miles in each direction. If there's a car on any of them with John Grayson in it, take my word that we'll find it. Hang on. Now you're really going to see some speed. Away! Carrying Inspector Henderson, Superman streaks back above River Drive, then angles off the first highway to sweep over it for 20 miles, then back in the other direction for another 20 miles. Then he repeats this procedure over the second highway and over the third. When he fails to spot a car carrying public Grayson, it begins to range in great circles, flashing over side lanes and little-used roads. But after two hours, his search is still fruitless. But meanwhile, on the magnificent island estate of Rufus Pelly, the munitions magnate has just pushed John Grayson and Perry White into the circular glass-walled turret study atop the great stone house on the sea. Grayson's face is cut and bruised. His clothing is torn. But his jaw is set as stubbornly as his Perry White's. Seated in a deep chair, Pelly looks up at them coldly. Now, gentlemen... Now, you look here, Pelly. You can't get away with this, holding me a prisoner, abducting John Grayson. Those are capital offenses. And you'll go to the chair for it, just as sure as my name is Perry White. Please, Mr. White, you're very tiresome. Oh, I'm tiresome, am I? Well, let me tell you... You tell me nothing. You've each had 15 minutes to consider my proposition. What's your answer? You call that a proposition? Why, you money-greedy rat, you cold-blooded murderer. If you think you can make me knuckle under... Shut up! You big gorilla! I cards... I'll tr- Easy, Mr. Grayson. Next time, you go won't be so gentle. Why, George Pelly, you and your gorilla are both going to... Sit down, White. Oh, stop being a fool. Now, gentlemen, my time is limited. You, Mr. Grayson, I told you that I purchased all outstanding shares in the Daily Planet. I now own 49% of the stock. If you sell me two more shares, I'll own the controlling interest. Why, you... In exchange for that, I'll guarantee you and White your freedom. I don't listen to him, John. He's bluffing. He knows if we get out of here, we'll send him to the chair. Not at all. My tracks are well covered. I'll say you came here of your own free will to arrange the sale of the Daily Planet. You have my word that I'll release you the moment I have those two shares of stock. Your word? You think we're fools enough to take the word of a warmonger, a cold-blooded murderer? 
You want the planet so that you can sabotage the World Federation. The only hope in the world for peace. Right. You want more wars so you can make more dirty millions out of selling munitions. No. No, let him alone, Hugo. Of course I want wars, Mr. White. There will always be wars, and my business is... There doesn't is... have to be wars. Not if we all get together, all of us in all countries, and talk our differences over in mutual trust and friendship. The World Peace Federation stands for that. And not you nor any other mass murderer is going to stop it. Right, Perry. I was a fool to let this man scare me in the first place. I'm with you all the way now. Good for you, John. Have you forgotten, Mr. Grayson, that I still have all the letters and checks and the forged documents, which, if turned over to the FBI, will indict you as a traitor to your country? Go ahead and turn them over. I'll take my chances in the court of justice. Ah, that's telling him, John. Is that your final answer, Grayson? That's my final answer. I won't sell out the Peace Federation to try to save my own skin. Very well, gentlemen. I'm sure Mrs. Grayson will sell me two shares of stock from her widow's estate to keep her dead husband from being branded a traitor in every newspaper in the country. <gasps> Why, you... Her, her dead husband? Exactly, sir. You see, you and Mr. White have both just signed your own death warrants. Take them away, Hugo. <laughs> Pale but unflinching, Perry White and John Grayson obey the giant Hugo's gesture to precede him through the door. As Rufus Pelly was condemning Perry White and John Grayson to death, Superman carrying Inspector Henderson is still searching for them from the air. Twice they have contacted police headquarters to discover that the maroon sedan in which John Grayson was taken from his house has not yet been found. Now they are hovering above a narrow, dark street which has only a few houses on it and which ends at the river. Uh, we might as well face it, Superman. Those fellows got away with Grayson. Right, you're right, Inspector. What happened to their maroon sedan? They must have left someplace nearby. They wouldn't have risked driving more than a few minutes. Well, uh, my men will pick it up eventually. We can't wait. That car is our only clue to Grayson and Perry White. And if we don't find them tonight, I don't think we'll ever find them. Uh, I shouldn't have listened to Kent this afternoon. Why? I should have picked up Homer Smith. He knows where White is. Now, here he says he can't be found either. I don't think you'd have gotten anything out of Smith. He's a smooth article. If only... Wait a minute. Let's have a look at that. What? Hey, where are you going? The guardrail at the end of the street is broken. See? Where? Over there. Oh, yeah. Hey, if any car crashed through that, well, it would just be too bad. The next stop is the river. That's just what I'm thinking. That... Yes, there it is. Huh? There what is? There's a car at the bottom of the river, Inspector. A sedan. And I think it's the one we're looking for. Eagerly, Superman gazes down through the dark waters of the Metropolis River to where a sedan rests on the muddy bottom. Is it the maroon sedan in which Rufus Pelly's men took John Grayson away? And if it is, will it furnish Superman the clue he needs to locate White and Grayson in time to save their lives and to catch the warmonger who is conspiring to wreck the World Peace Federation? Tomorrow's episode brings us closer to the stirring climax of our story. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Hello. 
Peps. P-E-P Peps. Kellogg's Peps, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, grave danger threatens Perry White and John Grayson as Superman and Inspector Henderson seek desperately to find some clue to their whereabouts and the identity of their captors. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, in order to be hep these vacation days, you have to feel hep, wide awake and alive. And you can't feel that way if you don't eat right. So, gang, give a cool, inviting breakfast a chance to show you what it can do to help begin your day. Start with Kellogg's Pep with cool milk and sugar. There's a treat that is a treat. Those golden flakes of pep are so light, so fresh and crisp, they practically say, come on, dig in. That lively golden toasted flavor is strictly super, strictly terrific. And the same goes for the swell bonus you get in every pet package. Meaning, of course, those keen prizes, all three kinds. For instance, you'll get either a colored cardboard model of a famous fighting plane, one of seven in the great pet air fleet, or you'll get one of 24 beautiful color pictures of birds with a full description on the reverse side to help you identify these birds anywhere. Or else you'll find a bright colored comic button picturing one of 18 characters straight out of the funnies. Sure is great fun to collect the whole series to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. So start collecting yours as a prize with Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Now the adventures of Superman. As you remember, editor Perry White and John Grayson, publisher of the Metropolis Daily Planet, were abducted by Rufus Pelley, a corrupt manufacturer of war materials who wishes to use the planet for propaganda against the World Peace Federation. Then, when Grayson, backed by White, refused to turn over his great newspaper to Pelly, the munitions magnate condemned them to death. Meanwhile, after trying vainly to pick up Grayson's trail, Superman and Inspector Henderson were about to admit defeat. The Man of Steel spied a broken guardrail at the end of a dark, deserted street that ended at the river. There, resting on the muddy bottom of the river, far below the surface, Superman saw a car. As we continue now, standing at the broken guardrail, Inspector Henderson gasps as Superman bursts up from the dark waters with the dripping car and sets it down on the street. There you are, Inspector. Great Lucifer, Superman. Why, you brought that car up from the bottom of the river as if it were a feather. Never mind that now. Look, it's a maroon sedan. Same kind of a car John Grayson was taken away in. Uh Uh-huh. Let's have a look inside. Look out. You'll get a bath if you open that door. The car's full of water. Yeah, but what if there's... There's nobody in it. Don't worry. What's more, nobody was in it when it crashed through the guardrail. Yeah, how do you know? Well, the windows and doors are closed. Even if anyone could have opened the door underwater, he couldn't have closed it again. Oh. Then what do you think happened? My guess is that another car was waiting here, to which Mr. Grayson was transferred. Then this car was sent to the bottom of the river to throw pursuers off the trail. Mm, could be. But we're not sure this is the car they used. I'm sure enough, Inspector. Well, even if you're right, this doesn't help us much. The water must have washed away any possible clues by now. Not so... all of them. The water didn't wash away two clues. Two clues? What? Where? Right in front of your eyes, Inspector. The license plates and the factory number on the engine block. Let's see. It's H-3... Oh, wait a minute, Superman. I'm surprised at you. Why? You don't think those guys use their own car, do you? If this is the sedan they use, the chances are a thousand to one they stole it. Not necessarily, Inspector. As a matter of fact, I don't think they did. Well, I'll prove it to you. Come on back to headquarters and we'll look up the owner of this maroon job. That's what I was going to suggest. Got the license number? You bet. Good. Get set for a fast trip. I'm all set. Here goes. Next stop, headquarters. Up, up, and away! (laughs) 
that, you Superman. Here's a report on a stolen maroon sedan. Came in about an hour ago. See? Everything check on it? Yep. License number, motor number. Same as the car you pulled out of the river. Here. See for yourself. Uh-huh. It's the same, all right. Sure, I told you it was stolen. We know from experience that crooks usually steal a car for an important job, so if they're spotted, well, they can't be traced to them. Right. But usually they abandon it. They don't go to all the time and trouble of dumping it into the river, do they? Well, no. No, I'll admit I can't figure out why these fellas did that. I can't. It was their own car. Oh, nonsense. I tell you, Superman, I've dealt with plenty of criminals. They all... wouldn't risk using a stolen car, not these criminals. Suppose the theft was discovered and reported at once. Their men might be caught in the car and the brains behind the blood could then be traced. True. But why dump the car in 60 feet of water? Where the chances are all against its being found and then report the theft. Simply because they're clever, Inspector. They're always thinking one step ahead. You see, if by any chance the car were found, their skirts would be clean because they'd already reported to the police that it had been stolen. Yeah, I suppose that does make sense, but I... Tell me, who's the owner of the car, according to the registration? Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, yeah, here it is. Fellow named Paul Brower. Paul Brower. Yeah, occupation owner of a gasoline station. Gasoline station? That's right. He apparently runs a gas station in New Beacon. That's about 20 miles up the coast. Yes, I know. So there goes your theory, Superman. Hmm? I can hardly see the operator of a small-town gas station behind a big plot to sabotage the World Peace Federation. Can you? No, but... But what? I suggest we go to see Mr. Paul Power, Inspector. Why? Why? It's a waste of time. Maybe yes, maybe no. Anyhow, since it's the only lead we have, there's nothing to lose. Come on. Superman and Inspector Henderson start for the gasoline station. Editor Perry White and John Grayson seem to have reached the end of their rope. We're at a concrete dock below Rufus Pelly's huge island home. A long, sleek speedboat lays to in the moonlight. Powerful motors purring. A line trailing from its stern is made fast to a rowboat, in which, tied hand and foot and gagged, lie Perry White and John Grayson. Hugo, a huge, powerfully built man, stands at the wheel of the speedboat and listens carefully as Rufus Pelly, in beautifully cut riding breeches and silk shirt, gives him his orders on the dock. Them three or four miles out, Hugo. We'll be on the third harbor buoy. Yes, sir, Mr. Paley. Then cast off. When you put about 100 yards of water between yourself and them, press that white button, which will release the radio beam. Yes, sir. Uh, what will happen then? The beam will set off the explosive in that cylinder in the bow of the rowboat. <laughs> will the uh, boat explode? If all goes well, there won't be enough left of the boat, White and Grayson, to put in a thimble. Holy smokes. All right. It's going now, Hugo. I'll be up in my study with the binoculars to personally witness the explosion. So let nothing go wrong. No, sir. Goodbye, you two fools. When you wake up in the next world, tell them to make room for the Peace Federation. I'll send that along after you. His cruel eyes gleaming with savage amusement, Rufus Pelly watches the speedboat towing Perry White and John Grayson surges out into his private harbor. Then he turns and enters the small elevator which rises through the rock to his great house above. Meanwhile, Superman, the long raincoat of Inspector Henderson covering his costume, has arrived with the inspector at a small marine gasoline station on the Bay of New Beacon. Henderson is questioning Paul Brower, the stocky, carroty-haired proprietor. You, uh, you say your car was stolen this evening, Brower? That's right, Inspector. I had to be in Metropolis on business. When I came out of the house of a fellow who was loaning me some money, my car was gone. I called the police right away. Then this fella, the one I was getting a loan from, he drove me back here. Uh-huh. Who is this man, the uh, the one you were with? Harry Johnson. Lives at 314 Locust Street. Well, it sounds straight enough to me. Any questions you want to ask, Super, uh, Mr. Jones? Just one or two, Inspector. 
Tell me, Mr. Brower, did this Mr. Johnson give you the money you wanted? Oh, sure. He's an old friend of mine. Was it a large loan? Well, no, not very. thousand dollars is all. You see, I wanted to make some repairs to my wharf. I service the fishing and pleasure boats around here. thousand dollars, eh? Wonder if you'd mind showing us Mr. Johnson's check or the cash. What for? Hey, what's the idea? Oh, I've got a reason. Do you have any objections to showing us the check or the bills? Well, uh, you, you see, uh, Johnson didn't exactly give me the money yet. You but said he did. But he, he said he would. He, he's going to mail it to me tomorrow. Now, listen, mister. Oh, never mind, you... Inspector. Never mind. We've got to go now. Thanks very much, Mr. Brown. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, well, come on, come on. Wait, I said, let go of my arm. Inspector, don't argue. Hey, what's the idea, Superman? Why'd you pull me out of there? Couldn't you see that fellow was lying? Of course I could, but I didn't want him to know we were wise to him. He would have... Great, Scott. Out of my way, Inspector. Amazed, Inspector Henderson watches with mouth agape. A Superman hurtles through the air and flashes down under the waters of the bay. What has happened? As Superman and Inspector Henderson left Paul Brower's marine filling station on the bay, the man of steel suddenly brushed Henderson aside and dove into the dark waters. Now, after only two or three seconds, he has flashed back to Henderson's side. Okay, Inspector. Come on. Come on, where? Say, why did you dive in the water? I saw a private telephone in a cabinet in Brower's shop. The wire runs along the bottom of the bay. What? My hunch is it runs to the headquarters of the men who abducted Terry White and Mr. Grayson. And they want to sabotage the World Peace Foundation. Now, wait a Brower was obviously lying to us tonight. Right after we left, he went to the cabinet and picked up the private phone. I believe he's working for the gang. Inspector and wanted to warn them about us. That's why I dove into the bay and snapped the wire. Well, why didn't you tell me all this before? Come on, we'll go back and put the screws to Brower. Oh, no, no, no. We'll just lose time trying to make him talk. I can follow that wire. All right, up under my arm, Inspector. I think this is going to be the showdown. Well, here's hoping. Yes, here's hoping we're not too late. Up! Up! And away! <laughs> Leaping up from the edge of the bay with Inspector Henderson, Superman streaks out over the water, his keen eyes following the cable telephone wire along the bottom. Will it lead him to Rufus Pelly's island estate? And if it does, can he possibly save the lives of Perry White and John Grayson? For at this moment, the giant Hugo on Rufus Pelly's speedboat is heading far out to sea, towing the rowboat with his helpless captives. The rowboat which is fitted with one of Pedley's deadly machines of war. What will happen as Pelly himself, the greedy man of mass murder through war, sits in glass-walled study atop his house and leisurely sips coffee while looking out to sea, waiting for the explosion which will signal the end of White and Grayson. Tomorrow brings the smashing climax of our story, fellas and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature of bringing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!